0: Live to see it, friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all. The one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and I'm pleased to introduce part three of our special three-part series celebrating our 700th show on The World Transformed. Stephen Gordon and I are talking with Thomas Fry, world-renowned futurist and speaker, a man who works with business and government to help leaders shape their understanding of what's coming next. We've been talking about the future from three different timescales. On Monday, we talked about what's going to happen over the next two years. Wednesday, we talked about what's going to happen over the next 20 years. And in our finale, we talk about the next 200 years and beyond. So fascinating stuff. Here's part three, the conclusion of our discussion about the future with Thomas Fry. Let's now talk about. I called it the 200-year window, but I'm, I'm just—I'm going to throw this wide open, gentlemen. You can take it as far after 20 years or as far after 200 years as you want to. So, if you want to give me a prediction for 2,000, 2 million years, whatever it is, we're—it's all fair game at this point.
1: And uh, Thomas, you got one? You want to start uh, a, a more yeah, distant future yeah. prediction? Since, since we can go out to 200, I think I might stretch it to 201 years.
0: Okay, very good. <laughs> Using the flexibility, uh, I like that. Yes.
1: Yeah, I mean, right now, um, on the, the definition of gender now, we have actually 19 different options. Um, and so I think somewhere over the course of time, we, we start developing different options for this category of human. Um, mm, okay. I mean, once we're able to genetically engineer people to have uh, four legs or five arms or six fingers. At a certain point, we stop being human and we start being something else. And I think this starts creating conflict. Um, I think we do this um, on some level because we're, we're trying to create better soldiers on another level to create better athletes. And, um, and for some people, they just wanna create more interesting children. Um, and so I think this gets really bizarre over the uh, the coming decades and even centuries.
0: You know, one thing that was big, or I don't know, growing, it wasn't really big, but before the issue of transgender got such a prominent role in media and, and had so much attention paid to it, I remember reading quite a bit about people who were defining themselves as asexual, who were... Uh, you know saying basically i don 't have any use for any of this stuff right i i, I don 't want to have a gender i don 't want i 't want i don 't want to have sex and I think probably some of those folks are now fitting themselves into one of the nineteen since there 's a lot more options available but that idea of kind of a post gendered post sexual human that might be one of the first models that that shows up how you reproduce those i 'm not sure but you know that that seems like a plausible kind of a shift people might might make that they might say, "Well, I'm just done with all that. I'm just going to be a human, <laughs> right? Without any, without any reference to, uh, to 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 that kind of stuff." And between that and I don't know, I think dorsal fins are going to be big too. That's that's the other one that <laughs> that, that, that that we predict all the time. Um, yeah, well, the, okay, the
1: part, that's, part, am, part animal, part human. I mean, that's uh, there's there's a lot of work being done on you know the uh, the, the 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 spider goats that are out there right now where they, they put this milk that um can be spun into um like a kevlar material that's real durable. It's called biosteel. Mm-hmm. Um we're, we're we're gonna start seeing stuff like that where we we engineer humans that have um you know the skin of a rhinoceros or a um like a, a color changing skin like a chameleon. Right um, and, and much, much more, you know, like a starfish can regrow its its uh, one of its arms. We should be able to regrow our legs if one gets cut off. I think we're going to start seeing lots of experimenting going on in that area, and uh, and we we really don't have a clear picture where that's going to end up.
0: Well, no, but at least I'm emotionally prepared for it because I read a lot of comic books in the '70s and '80s, so at least I'm. You know. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm emotionally prepared for all that to happen, but it is just totally bizarre to think about it. Okay, Stephen, what do you got? Two hundred year prediction.
2: Okay, well, instead of the um, uh, the human um, animal hybrids, I'm thinking human machine hybrids. Okay. I think that uh, Kurzweil's vision of humanity fully merged with technology has come to pass in a couple hundred years. Um, no, no clear distinction any longer between people who were born and remain uh, at least partly biological with the people who were born but are are now fully uploaded, emulated in in, in, uh, machine environments, and that's all that's left of them, Uh, and uh, people that were never born at all, that that began life as an AI and just are accepted as fully people. And so uh, the the distinctions get real blurry between uh, those categories, but uh, they're uh, all accepted as people at that point.
0: I like it. You know, actually, that dovetails really nicely with my my AI prediction because I did the two-year and the 20-year that we'll be solving all our problems with AI. In the 200-year horizon, I said, you know, we're past any reasonable guess, right, because of the rapid rate at which AI – Goes, but I'll. Uh, but I. I did say maybe we'll just be the AIs, or we will have merged with them, or you know we'll, we'll be sort of one civilization with them. And by then we'll have worked on to the really big problems, like figuring out the meaning of existence, right, Thomas, the Prime Directive, right? Maybe uh, right. M- figuring out how to reverse entropy, right? Those. Those will be the kinds of problems that will. Uh, that uh, that that will be given to. AI at that point, or do we, or do we diverge, right? Does AI just go on its merry way? What, what do you think, Thomas? Are, are those both plausible suggestions or would something else completely happen?
1: Yeah, actually, actually a couple, couple decades from now, I don't even think we'll be using the term AI. It'll be something else. I think it splinters off into like a uh, 20 different other subtopics. <clears throat> um, but uh, You know, let let me give you a a scenario here, and since you're reading a lot of comic books in the 70s... There you go.
0: Tell me, tell um, me,
1: yeah. (laughs) um, Having a force field, a a citywide force field, um, that kind of controls the weather and controls the environment, um, how does that change the construction of houses and homes how does that change how we live inside of that space? Um, do we actually control the weather and the moisture levels and, and all that? And, um, and uh, how does, how does that start controlling our lives? I, I think that it raises all kinds of fascinating questions. So we don't have answers for yet.
0: I uh, you know the force field one goes hand in hand with one we've discussed with you before which is uh, going to be a hugely transformative technology when we have it and I think the 200 year window is probably about right for it and that's anti gravity right I mean probably right. those two have something to do with each other if you if you can have a force field if you can create an energy force that way you're also probably able to uh, uh negate gravity or are those what do you think are those two sides of the same coin or are they completely different No,
1: I I actually think they're tied in very closely together. Um, Tractor beam beam also, right? Yeah, tractor beam,
0: same kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think gravity walls and um, uh, things like that are are probably all tied in together. Um, It becomes some sort of new form of physics that hasn't been invented yet. Um, But that's, I think somebody comes in and kind of circumvents all the traditional thinking in that area. And that uh, the, all of those things suddenly become possible um, some uh, what seemingly minor breakthrough and all of a sudden it evolves into uh, kind of the, the new graphene for the uh, world of physics um, uh, so I, I, I love uh, talking about these things because you, you know they seem so far-fetched right now but you know you just have that one breakthrough and suddenly Wow
0: that and suddenly yeah seem it like, seems perfectly conventional almost to, uh, yeah. to be talking in those
1: terms yeah back in back in the 70s when you were reading comic books you never thought you'd be using a cell phone that you could talk all around the world on um and and here's here's the interesting part you know if if traditional telecom companies invented the internet if they were the ones that created the internet for the world we would all still be paying for long distance cell phone calls um, right right, um so we need we need the circumventionists to come in there and rewrite all the rules um uh, because they have to change well, Stephen,
0: you were talking on on Monday's show about those predictions from a t and t yeah
2: right their 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 AT&T vision of the was, future yeah at and t back in nineteen ninety three was trying to cast themselves as as big huge innovators and you know what? It turns out that uh, when your business is uh, monopolistic, you don't tend to innovate very much. Well, they had they had been broken up for some
0: time even by then. But uh, but but what's what's interesting is they were able to see the ends. They were able to see because I watched those. Uh, thanks for sending me that link. I watched some of those some of those videos, and they were able to see that you'd be able to pay a toll going through a toll booth without having to, uh, without having to stop and, and give somebody money. You'd be able to read a book without actually holding the physical book in your hands. I mean, they got a lot of things, right. But their core assumption, their core assumption was always that there'd be a telephone network, right. You know, the, the, the big backbone network and that that is somehow touching a wire and that that wire is leading to, to people doing things. And, and Thomas, your point, and the whole reason for having that wire is so you can charge somebody for it right I mean that's right right <laughs> that, that was that was their whole like mindset that that was how they were set up, so no matter how innovative the the technology that people at uh, where, wherever it was Bell Labs came up with, ultimately it had to fit back into that into that model and you're right I think that's uh, you know we, we had to circ- we had to circumvent their vision to you know to to arrive at the day. We have today where it's all happening, right? We have all this incredible stuff going on over the telecom network. It, you know, it's still sitting there, and we're still using it. And those companies are choking, right? They're, I mean, they're really having a hard time keeping it together. They're all, they're, they're merging with each other, and they're, you know, they're trying to figure out what the, what the, what the business model is for them going
1: forward. Yeah, there's, a, there's this absolutely fascinating quote that was made um, See, the 1893 World's Fair happened in in Paris, France. And that's when they built the Eiffel Tower. Now, the 1893 World's Fair was the very first time electricity was demonstrated anywhere in the world. Um, And the mayor of Paris um, is quoted as saying, he says, um, by the time this, this World's Fair is over, and the Eiffel Tower has been dismantled, we will not hear another word about electricity <laughs>
0: um,
1: which which is funny because uh, actually the Eiffel Tower was designed to be taken down um and so the only reason we have electricity in the world today is because the eiffel tower it's still
0: closed. standing that's right if, <laughs> if anything ever happens it the whole fade the whole fad might end right. We'll just... <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey uh, thomas i think the I think the year might, must have been a little different uh, because eighteen ninety three the uh, World's Fair was in chicago when, when was the Parisian world's Fair It must have been a few years before that
1: um. oh i um, I thought the, that was ninety six in oh, chicago let me let me uh, uh google it
2: real quick I, I, i'm, I'm, I'm
1: you yeah. know what's interesting, yeah, though, yeah. Stephen.
0: You mentioned the year eighteen ninety-three. Just tying it all together, that was the year that AT and T started that series of ads, right? So it was exactly a hundred years before the Chicago World's <laughs> Fair, which is, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, I mean that that gives you an idea for if you look at if you look at that eighteen ninety-three World's Fair. What were they saying about the future then in that year, eighteen ninety-three? And then look at those ads. What were they saying about the future in you know nineteen ninety-three? And what will we be saying about it in in 2093. What else? Okay. What other uh, What other big, big predictions does anyone have? I've got another one. Uh, should I jump to my aliens one yet? No, we'll, we'll save that. That's you know that's uh, that's more for the. Well, we're we're getting close. Okay, I'll just go ahead and say my aliens one. I think if if in the next 20 years we're going to establish communication, but in the next 200 years we get to decide whether we're going to you know if they if they're still around, right? If if the aliens we discover are Contemporaries, if we're communicating with them over the next twenty years, obviously that's a requirement for that. Then we decide whether how we coexist, right? We we end up how, how do we share the universe with these um, with these other beings? And that's one of the reasons yeah. that we run into this kind of you know interesting question about why we haven't ever found other intelligences out there so far. Maybe we haven't been looking very closely for long enough, or maybe well, we find. Yeah that there's there's no one there to there's no one there to merge with because maybe something else happens besides
1: going out and and so just settling the the correction um the the paris world's fair was 1889 and the chicago one was 1893 oh there we go got it so so it's very very close in time because
2: um I, i i recall reading that um the the world's fair in chicago in 1893 uh, when people came, mostly it was Americans that came to the Chicago World's Fair, it was the first time they ever experienced electric- electricity. Uh, they, they call it the Great White City because it was lit up at night, right? It was it was right. with brilliant electrical light. And imagine the impact that would have on somebody that's never seen an electric light light in their life before. When the sun goes down, you're in the dark, you know? Uh, no doubt four years,
0: four years uh Earlier, that's what was happening in Paris too, right? People
2: were seeing exactly, it for the first time. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah well, the, I understand that they kept uh, the. They kept
2: down, the. So. Well, they, they um, understand that uh, the reason that they decided to keep the uh, Eiffel Tower was not because it's this beautiful thing, but because uh, it was it was discussed that it would make an excellent radio tower for this brand new invention of radio. So. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, that, yeah. So. Huh. anyway, well, I... <laughs> I'm glad they kept it, whatever the reason, right? Yeah. So All right. A,
0: Very good. Well, a, now let me okay. swing it back to the Fermi paradox because that's where uh, that's where I was going. Um, <laughs> All <right>. the, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Sorry, I'm sorry. That was a rough transition. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah. You know, well, no, it's okay. From from uh, Eiffel Tower to aliens, back to Eiffel Tower, back to aliens. That's how we roll. This is the world transformed. I like it. Okay. So, uh, what I would say was. Does it speak to the possibility that something much bigger might be in store for us? This is the transcension hypothesis that we get into from time to time. Is it possible that we aren't ever going to run into any aliens because either they get wiped out or, um, you know, we're talking about what? where is AI going to take us in 200 years? Yeah, maybe anti-gravity devices, but maybe something even bigger than that. Maybe um, we work our way deeper, smaller down into the into the femto spaces or completely out of this universe altogether, right? Maybe we maybe we develop technologies that essentially put us someplace else completely. And the fact that I'm talking about it in very vague terms is only because I have no idea conceptually what that would mean, but I I introduced the
1: possibility here. What do you guys think? Well, maybe we become the aliens then. Um right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we have to learn how to communicate with ourselves on a whole new level. Yeah, um, might be, yeah. yeah. Well, learning to communicate with other, other species other. I mean, maybe it's, you know, it's a plant like life uh, in some other planet that we have to learn to communicate with because um, we we find out that it's an intelligent plant or intelligent fish um, that uh, can actually do way more than we ever imagined. maybe it's an intelligent blob or liquid or things that are floating in space that, um, you know, first we have a hard time understanding that that's uh, organic matter or that there's any form of intelligence in it. Um, Yeah, I think we we run into all kinds of issues that um, I I, I like to equate this a lot to, you know, when the the Hubble Space Telescope uh, first came online it blew our minds because we we had this vision that there was only these white dots in space that's all the stars were just white dots some bigger than others and then suddenly oh my god there's there's colors there's the the stuff that's happening in space just is is so much more complicated than we could have ever imagined and um i i think that on a on kind of a communications level with other other intelligent species um that i think uh will blow our minds when we run into our first one like that um so are they going to be humanoid uh probably not um, the, the, maybe there'll be something like us maybe not um but uh yeah i think we we just have such a long ways to go that we're just kind of scratching the surface on all this Absolutely, and well, even I, if we don't find aliens out
0: there, what, what do you think will happen in space, Stephen? you've been kind of hitting that one in, in the next two hundred yeah, years yeah, are we I,
2: Well, you see, um, you know since uh, a large portion of our population is digital, um, you know I, I, I believe that uh, digital versions of ourselves are what goes out into space I mean think, think about uh, how inexpensively we could send um a a small probe that might contain an entire civilization within it right uh to to the uh to nearby stars we could be colonizing nearby stars uh simply because the uh, cost of getting there uh is so low uh, you know, we're we're sending something the size of a tin can, right? To uh, so you're you're uh,
0: describing a fully digitized civilization in a small space, right. like the old Coke can. It's a, the computer technology is taken to the point where you could just you could have all of I don't know, you could have ten thousand people, right, digitized living in the virtual world in this little uh, this environment, which you then launch that into space, and because it's that very small footprint.
2: Object right? you can yeah,
0: you, you can send that into space a lot more easily
2: right and and uh you get get them to a uh get them to nearby star systems they uh can quickly uh you know uh, re, it's a probe that could quickly reproduce itself uh uh you know von Neumann style right that's what a von Neumann probe does reproduce itself and uh while it, while one version you know version a of this probe is settling alpha Centauri version B is taking off to Bernard star. Right. And, uh, right. and we, we quickly, uh, settled the, you know, nearby ga- nearby portion of our galaxy. And that, that process could be beginning in 200 years.
0: In 200 years, maybe we'll have the first few Coke cans on their way out towards
2: interstellar space. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Possibly. Why not? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting we have <laughs> interstellar probes, um, uh, in 20 years. Um, uh, and so, you know, if, if we, if we can manage that, uh, then we have something sophisticated going out, um, uh, um, in the years following
1: that. So, yeah. Yeah. See, one of, one of, one of my pet peeves about Star Trek and all the, uh, space programs is that a lot of the plots end up being turf wars and, you know, space is big. It is really, really big. Right. And this, this idea of having a turf war just is so idiotic on so many levels. Um, <clears throat> so when when it comes to the idea of of getting somewhere to send a probe somewhere, unless we develop uh, some uh, something that's exponentially faster, some wormhole technology that can get something to another part of the galaxy quicker, um, the time frames that we're talking about, even at the speed of light, are um, our uh, centuries, um, right, even millennia that we're, we're just waiting for some feedback to come back. We sent this probe out uh, 2000 years ago, and we're just waiting to hear back any day now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, so so I think the speed is, is kind of the core thing. Uh, if if we can figure out um, some sort of wormhole technology or something that faster than light, Uh, uh, travel uh, of sending signals then um, then uh, suddenly the the universe gets more more manageable on some level Um, that that becomes a huge breakthrough that we we have to somehow master somewhere along the way Um, so just keep in mind that the the all-time human speed record was still set in 1969 that's where they did the slingshot move around the Earth to get to the moon. Um, right. Humans tra- traveled a speed of roughly 25,000 miles an hour. And that remains today as the all time speed record for human beings. Um, and we haven't progressed any since then, uh, which is kind of a sad commentary on so many yeah. of so. <laughs> we, we, we need Yeah.
0: We need to be working on that for sure. I mean, let's get to light speed anyway. And you know the interesting thing is, what if if it turns out there there's no good wormhole workaround, there's no warp drive, there's no hyperspace, none of that stuff ever actually pans out. It could be the alternative is we just shift our perspective drastically, right? We become these very long-lived beings who you know we're okay with things taking eighty thousand years or one hundred and fifty thousand years or a million years or whatever it is uh, that they take. Maybe not as individuals, but as a as a civilization, that just becomes kind of the
1: the, the time scale that we operate at. Yeah, so we if, won't be there in two hundred years,
0: probably. But.
1: Yeah, if we suddenly start living to be two hundred, five hundred years old, then suddenly the urgency dies down. I mean, we we don't have to get things done immediately because um, because I have another two hundred years to live, so I don't have to do it today. I can I can wait a couple of days here.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. shift in perspective. Right. Well, guys, you know what? We're just about to run out of time, so I don't want to I don't want to shut this down unless somebody, uh, if somebody, has a really mm-hmm.
1: big prediction that they haven't had the chance to make yet. So we're going to go yeah. one let more me, time. Let, one more time. Let around. me mention. Let me mention a story. Um, I, I find this to be such a fascinating story because it helps put it in perspective for me. <clears throat> but in the middle eighteen hundreds, uh, Paul Reuters started the Reuters News Service. Um, because he was, he was the technology he was using at the time was uh, the, the carrier pigeons, and and he was able to fly messages across the the Ural Mountains in Europe, and and cut off several days in getting news delivered, uh, uh, you know, a couple hundred miles away, and uh, so when Abraham Lincoln got shot. Uh, the president of the United States got shot, got assassinated. The news of that assassination was on a ship traveling across the Atlantic Ocean, wow. and it took roughly eight days for that news to travel across the ocean. And then, once once they got the news to uh, to the port, then then Reuters was able to use the pigeons then to to get the news around Europe and he was able to break the story three days before the traditional news media service at the time Um, and so that really helps put things in perspective for me because if I don't know about something ten minutes later I get I get angry I don't know about it right now Uh, (laughs) and and back then I mean major events happened in the world and nobody knew about it so that that's kind of we're we're still on this exponential growth curve of speed in computing power and speed of transmission and and it's hard for us to get our mind wrapped around how that's going to transition over over the coming decades and centuries absolutely,
0: well, you know what I think we're just going to have to let that be the parting shot, Stephen, unless you have one big wacky one you want to throw at us before we. <laughs>
2: Call it a week. I, uh, here. I, I I predict we'll still be podcasting. About that, I like it. Two hundred <laughs> years from now, we'll, we'll
0: we'll be on our seven thousandth podcast. Are you kidding? Uh, forget about seven hundred. We'll be up there. Thomas, thank All you right. so much for taking the time to talk with us. It's been great having you with us this
1: week. Hey, this has been a fascinating discussion. I just enjoyed the hell out of it. We do too. We love having
0: you on. We're going to have you back on again soon. Stephen, thanks Absolutely. for uh, doing 700 shows with me. and we're, you know, Hey, yeah, we're, man. It's here, been fun. Here's how fast the future's happening. You know, when we started talking, it was our 700th show, and now here we are done with our 702nd show. That's amazing. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's the future moving in on us. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for being with us. We are going to be back next week with three brand-new shows. Look forward to being with you all then. And until next time, live to see it.